Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I am honored and privileged to be here standing in this beautiful chapel celebrating the resurrected one with you all today. Uh, my greetings to the seminary's president. I want to thank uh, my good friend, the Reverend Dr. Winfield Bevins and Reverend Jessica for the invitation. And read in your hearing the same scripture, but I will do something that I do not normally do, which is utilize a King James translation where he says, you deceived me, O Lord, and I was deceived. You were stronger than I and have prevailed. If you would allow me to, let me talk to you for the brief time that I have been given under the theme, working from the middle. Would you do me a favor, just look at your neighbor and tell him, work from the middle. Work from the middle. Would you mind if we had a quick word of prayer? God, give us holy hearing, sound scripture. Open the eyes and the ears of our hearts today that we might hear you, that we might experience you, and then live exalted lives for you. We promise that if it be the word of God and not the word of man, that we would transform, we would change according to your word by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would be to the measure and the stature of Jesus Christ. All of this we believe in prayer. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Working from the middle. I came today to Wilmore and honestly to this chapel today because I wanted to see if you all could help me confess. My brothers and my sisters, beloved of God, I, I really wanted to come and preach a sermon and, and kind of um, see if I could use my intellectual abilities to sway uh, some type of thought about myself, whether you had one or not, but the reality is that I flew all the way up here to see if I can petition the priesthood of all believers in regard to your vocation to hear my confession and help me out. I need to be absolved and forgiven. I need to confess. I need to confess. And my confession before you today is that after preaching many years, after walking with God many years, I am still struggling in my relationship with the Lord. That's it. That's, that really is my confession this morning. I, I, I flew all the way to Wilmore because no one back at home probably can help me with this. I, I heard there was holiness people here, Methodist people here, Anglican people. And I said, surely if anyone has it right, I can get some help on the campus of Asbury Theological Seminary. So, so I came to you, good people, beloved of the Lord, to help me uh, with, with my issue. My issue is that I am still very much, Dr. Winfield, struggling in this walk, in this relationship with, 
the Lord. I am, I am in that vein reminded of, of that novel writer, Julian Barnes, who, who, who once stated, um, I don't believe in God, but I miss Him. And, and when I think about his statement, um, the same in reverse can be true because I do believe in God, but sometimes I don't know if I miss Him enough. Mm. Yeah, this, this struggle in Christianity, this struggle in our relationship with God, um, if we were true to ourselves today, I'm not talking to the people who have already made it. I'm not talking to the people who already really, really sanctified and justified and holified. I'm talking to men and women. I'm talking to people who get up in the morning and sometimes don't feel like praying, don't feel like going to church. Don't feel like lifting my hands in worship. Don't feel like being polite, loving my neighbor as I love myself. Don't feel like coming to church. Don't feel like finishing my degree. There's not a lot of us in here today, so I'm just probably talking to one row or two. But, but the two rows that I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, that, that sometimes we have the facade of having it all together, while on the inside still very much struggling with our spirituality, having to pray for others while we still need prayer ourselves. We are like that, that, that great statement that Henry Nouwen made, we're wounded healers. The scripture that was read in your hearing is a very, very good example, prototype, if you will, Jeremiah is a conflicted individual. In the life of his writings, you see that he is a conflicted individual. He is, he is sometimes called the weeping prophet, the prophet that is bipolar, the prophet who struggles with God. It is so much so that, as a matter of fact, Jerome, St. Jerome, one of the, the fathers of the church in the West in the fourth century, in, in writing his prologue, said of the book of Jeremiah, instead of Jeremiah, that Jeremiah prophesies by the Holy Spirit and with the eyes of the flesh. Ah, that he prophesies not only by the Holy Spirit, but there is still, even though he's filled and indwelled with the Spirit, there's still some carnality. Yeah, that, that maybe, maybe he has a hallelujah, but maybe, maybe you cuss a little. Yeah, maybe you cuss a little. And it is in this, it is in this vein, my brothers and my sisters, that I came to confess. I'm pouring out my heart to you because I struggle in these areas and I want to give you a one, two, three, and then I'm going to take my seat. But I struggle in these areas and maybe you can help me. The first area that I see in Jeremiah or in the prophetic literature that I struggle in is that God loves to mess with people who are minding their own business. That'll preach. God loves to mess with people who are minding their own business. I, I, am, I am always astonished to meet individuals who have a zeal for what God wants to do with them, and they, they make all the right steps, they take all the right steps, they make all the right decisions, they do everything that they need to do, they do it the right way, and then they're not chosen. And Joe Schmo Bungalow, who's over there in the corner doing nothing, that's the person that God calls. 
Because if you're going to have this relationship with God, you're going to have to know that one day you're going to be just pastoring the sheep of your father-in-law and out of nowhere, call and response revelation will happen and God loves to mess with people who are minding their own business. This is my problem with that, that I had my life mapped out. Yeah. I had my life mapped out, Winfield. I was going to be one of the best chefs in the country. I had my life mapped out. I had it all planned out. And yet he lets Jeremiah know your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts. Is there anybody here that God found you in the backwoods of wherever you were? Your name wasn't mentioned. You didn't know who you were. No one knew who you were, but God knew who you were and he called you. He chose you. He equipped you and you were just minding your own business. Anybody here? Y'all talk back to me now. I'm Pentecostal. (laughs) Right? Right? And, and, And then all of a sudden, here he goes. I have purpose and destiny and vision for you. And, oh, I need you to come to Asbury Theological Center. And you're like, I just wanted to just buy a house, ride a nice car, have a good relationship, eat good food. I wasn't messing with nobody. But God chose you out of anywhere and out of anything. And therefore, here you are. The only good thing I like about that kind of scenario, um, Dr. Tom, is that when something goes wrong, I get to go back to God and say, I didn't want to do this. You called me to do this. Oh, my brothers and my sisters, that's a prayer. You've got to learn that most and the majority of the figures in the biblical narrative, when something went wrong, they went up to God and said, excuse me, sir, I didn't call myself to do this. You called me, and if you called me, you're not a man that you should lie or a son of man that you should repent. And if he said it, he will make it come to pass. I don't know who I'm talking to today that God called you to do all of these things. You did not want to do it. And now you find yourself in a situation where what God called you to do is now in some kind of trouble. Trust me, that's a prayer. God, I didn't call myself to do it. And if you said it, you bring it to pass. Number two, as I close my little Bible school Sunday school lesson on Thursday. Number two, what do I wrestle with? I wrestle with when and where. If, if I've learned anything about the prophetic, if I've learned anything about the prophetic experience um, and, and the prophetic literature in, in, in Scripture, is that there were prophets that were um, um, pre-exilic, there were prophets that were exilic, and there was prophets that were post-exilic, if, if you believe in that kind of structure. Um, exilic, pre-exilic, pre-exilic, exilic, and post-exilic. Which means that, that if I'm called, when I was minding my own business, then I need to know to what and to where am I called. Now that's not always clear as I will surmise in the end of my sermon. But the reality is that if you're called, you're either called before the fact, during the fact, or after the fact. Now that, uh, that's good preaching. In my church I would have thrown myself a $5 bill. Right? Because if you're called to service, you're either going to call to service before a situation, a problem, sometimes in warning, sometimes in helping someone before they make the mistake, but sometimes you're called to serve when something happens that you were trying to warn them not to get into. Sometimes it's after. 
after the fact that God utilizes you. So you have to figure out whether you are before, during, or after. And don't get it twisted because some of us are frustrated trying to help somebody during a time that is not our season and our assignment. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. So watch this now. Have you ever had somebody who is going and walking with you through a situation that you have already made, you made that decision, and you, you jacked up? You jacked, I mean, you, you, you tore up from the floor. You made the decision. <laughs> Now you got to sleep. I mean, you got to lay there. I mean, it's, it's, you made the decision. But you have that one person who every time they come around are talking about, I told you. 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 See, you need to start learning how to cut that person off in certain areas of your life. See, that person there, I told you, that means that they were sent to you beforehand. You already went ahead and did what you needed to do. You don't need in your now a person who's going to tell you, I told you. You need a person in your now who's going to walk through your storm with you and say, it already happened. Let's just make it through this storm now. Do I got anybody in here? Uh, Y'all not helping me preach this. You, You need somebody who will help you in your now, not say, I told you so. You need somebody that'll pick up the phone at two o'clock in the morning when you call and you're about to have a nervous breakdown and they can pick up the phone and say, no matter what you need, I'm here for you. I know you did it wrong. I know you messed up. I know you tore up from the floor up, but God has still purpose and destiny on your life. You need somebody even afterwards that can celebrate when you come out of it and not be jealous of your victory and your success, but say, I thank God because if he blessed you, he can bless me. And then my final point, I just can't grasp this relationship with God and where I struggle is where we read our scripture. Jeremiah, Jeremiah by now, the context you know is Jeremiah um, was locked up by one of the priests, slapped in his face, ridiculed, and right after that all of a sudden he says, God, you deceived me and I was deceived. Can you imagine? There is the prophet of God locked up in the stocks. The holy one, the anointed one, locked up in the stocks. And all of a sudden, he is slapped by the priests. And afterwards, he comes to God and he says, God, you deceived me and I was deceived. I understand that it is harsh language. I I understand and I concede that other translations, uh, you know, you seduced me. I I, I get it and I, I will acquiesce to many of the translations, but for the sake of argument today, can we just use deceived? Paul thought in the Hebrew to leave wide open. Why would Jeremiah say you deceived me and I was deceived? Well, my brothers and my sisters, it probably has something to do with Jeremiah chapter 1 when he says before you were formed, In the womb, I knew you. Before you were given birth to, I had already proclaimed you to be and established you to be a prophet among the nations to rule, to bring them down. All of these things that Jeremiah speaks, uh, or that God speaks to Jeremiah. And my bone to pick with God, and, and what I cannot really always fathom, is that God will always tell you the end 
in the beginning, but will never mention the middle. That, that was probably another $5. <laughs> God, Dr. Winfield Bevins, Dr. Tom, God, God, Reverend Jessica, will always tell you the end in the beginning, but will never tell you the middle. God will come to your beginning and say, hey, listen, I'm going to do this with you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm going to do that with you. I'm going to get this with you. I, oh, my God, you're going to go here. You're going to build. The, I mean, he gets our heads like this. We, we're, oh, wow, God is going to do all of these things. Prophetic words, reading of scriptures, uh, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, whatever that is. He always does that in the beginning. He tells you the end, but he never tells you the middle. The reason that Jeremiah says, wait a minute now, you deceived me and I was deceived is because I would have never thought after what you had said that I was going to be a prophet among the nations, that now here I am being slapped in my face and locked away by a priest. Is there anybody here that knows something about that, that God said something about you and made you promises and he said you have a purpose and destiny and yet he never told you about the suffering and the pain that you were going to have to go through to get to that place. Y'all yeah, uh, not going to help me preach this thing. God, thank you for letting me know that I was going to do wonderful things in the kingdom. But had you told me that I was going to suffer, that my friends were going to leave me, that my family was going to betray me. I ain't got nobody here. Thank you for letting me know that, that, that purpose and destiny was on my life. I had ministry, and you were going to exalt me to bless you and to bless your nation. But you didn't tell me COVID was going to rage all kind of sickness on my body and was going to rage sickness on my friends and my family. God, thank you for giving me a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. But you didn't tell me about the sleepless nights. Thank you for bringing me to Asbury Theological Seminary. You told me I was going to get my degree, but what you did not tell me was I was going to have hard professors, many tests, sleepless nights, losing weight. I ain't got nobody here. Y'all not going to help me. No, no, I ain't got no students here. I ain't got no students. What you did not tell me was that I was going to have to suffer. Hello, somebody. To get to the place, had you told me, I would have never been able to deal with that. I, had you told me, I would have never subjected myself. And he goes further because that word um, um, deceived there, Paul thought in the Hebrew, in its first instance, you deceived me, it, Dr. Tom, it's in its complete tense. In other words, God, you did it right. When you sold it, you sold it right to me. You deceived me wholly. You seduced me whole. You presented it on a silver platter. You made it look real good. You made it sound real good. Watch this. And then he says, you deceived me, and I was deceived. That second deceived, it's in its incomplete tense, which means that Jeremiah had one eye open. Jeremiah didn't want to believe it. You deceived me completely. And I was the one with one eye open, which was deceived. I didn't want to do it, but I trusted you. I didn't want to believe you, but I trusted you. People hurt me, but I trusted you. Uh, you painted it well, so I trusted you. Jeremiah, what you going to do with this? Here's what I'm going to do with it. I'm suffering now. And then he goes down and he says, later on in the verses, I want to curse the day I was born. And even curse the person who gave the news 
that I was born. But before that, I want to let you know that I am not even going to mention his name anymore. Because I feel like the middle wasn't told to me, I'm going to give up. Asbury students. Because I feel like God didn't come clean with me. I'm not even mentioning his name. I'm not going to speak in his name anymore. Has anybody ever felt like that? God, you didn't tell me all of this. Broke, busted, and disgusted. Scraping pennies together. Putting two nickels together. Try to get lunch. Here I am trying to do the very best that I can. Serve you in spirit and in truth. And I'm going hungry. I'm going, I'm tired. I'm, I don't have any sleep. I'm, 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 I'm cranky. I'm hangry. I'm hungry. Whatever it is that you want to say that you are. And one, one day you get up and you say, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm getting in my car. And you pack your car. Watch, that was Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, I'm done with this. I'm not mentioning your name. And neither am I speaking in your name. And then he said my closing point. Now, excuse if my Pentecostalism come out just a little bit. I'm done. I am done. This is over. I'm leaving the church. I'm leaving Asbury. I'm leaving the company. I'm leaving my degree. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, I'm done. You didn't tell me I was going to have to cry this much. Had I known I was going to have to cry this much, I would have never taken that responsibility to go where you told me to go. Uh-uh. And God, because you didn't tell me, and now I'm suffering, I am out of here. I am leaving. And right when he packed up his bag, he said, but his word. But his word. Oh, God, was like a fire shut up in my bones. That, that, the, in the Hebrew text, but his word, that which must come to pass, was already in my heart. Oh, and I experienced it like fire shut up in my bones. I packed my bags. I packed everything. I was hurt. Tears are coming down my eyes, and I'm saying I'm quitting because people don't get it. I'm quitting because ain't nobody here with me. I'm quitting because I'm tired of listening to the criticism of others. I'm quitting because my family doesn't want me to be here. I'm getting in my car, and I'm driving, and as I'm driving, that which he already spoke was so deeply inserted in my heart that I had to turn around. I ain't got nobody here. Do I got anybody here? Uh, you, you, you go to your friend, you go, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. That professor ain't going to talk to me like that. Who she or he think they are. They ain't going to talk to me like that. I'm grown. I didn't come all the way to Kentucky to Asbury Theological Seminary to make a, to, to, for you to make a fool out of me and tell me who I am and who I'm not. I'm done. And the minute you're packing and folding your clothes, that word that he already spoke inside of your heart is so deeply ingrained there that you begin to feel it like a fire and you unpack your bag and you get upset and you go, I'm staying, but I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm staying. That's, now I understand Winfield why they call him the weeping prophet because he knows he has nowhere else to go. My brothers and my sisters, you cannot work from the end and you cannot work from the beginning. You've got to understand that you've got to work from the middle, that anything that the Lord has called you to do is going to have some sacrifice and some suffering. It's going to have some pain and some turmoil. It's going to have some problems and some backstabbing. That's why I love what David said in Psalm 119. It was good for me that I be afflicted, that I may learn your statues. And then the writer says, and after you have suffered a while, the Lord himself will establish you. Look at your neighbor and just tell him, work from the middle.
You deceived me, O Lord, and I was deceived. You didn't tell me all of this. Had I known all of this, ah, I'll just walk from the cross. Yeah, there's going to be disappointment, betrayal, pain, anguish. Watch this. He ends this conversation, depending on how you contextualize the text, with, but you, O oh Lord, are with me. <laughs> As a mighty and awesome one. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know it was going to have this much pain. Yeah, I didn't know COVID was going to rage that much pain. Yeah, I didn't know this was going to disrupt all of my, I didn't know I was going to lose friends. I didn't know I was going to lose money. I didn't know I was going to hyperventilate. I didn't know I was going to lose sleep. I didn't, I didn't know. I thought everything was going to be roses. And now here I am, called of God, purpose and destiny upon my life. And I'm stuck in the middle. What do I do, Bishop Alvarez? Work in the middle. And work from the middle. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Some of us are here today, God. Still struggling. with the middle. You've called us with purpose, destiny. You've called us to have ministries. There are men and women here who are called to have international, global ministries. You've called them while they were minding their own business. We could have done anything else. We wanted to do everything else. But you called us you called us either to be able to lend a hand before the fact, during the fact, or after the fact. Thank you, God, for the privilege of a solemn and holy call. But God, we've got to tell you today. We've got to tell you today. We feel some type of way. You didn't tell us that we were going to have to suffer this much. You didn't tell us that it was going to be a strain on our family, a strain on our minds, a strain. God, we almost quit. We almost quit. Even last week, somebody almost quit. Right when we were packing our bags and getting our travel arrangements ready, right when we were packing and thinking we're going to pack our office and leave the department, right when we were thinking we're going to leave this marriage, right when we were thinking we're going to leave this, right when we were thinking I'm leaving pastoring, I'm leaving ministry, I'm never coming back. Your word, which must come to pass, which does not return to you void, but accomplishes everything it was assigned to do, started becoming like fire, shut up in our bones. So God, here we are, we... We, we changed the travel documents. We canceled the flights. 
We unpacked the bag. <laughs> we declined the job offer in another state. We got counseling. We returned back to our first love. And we are now committed to work from this middle, knowing that you, O oh God, are with us as a mighty and awesome one. Grant us, your children, the strength that we need to work from this middle. But most of all, give us the peace that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts and our minds. We pray all of these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.